sometimes I watch the garbage men come to my house and think back, that was my favorite job. I'd like to go back there sometimes in my mind, back when I was young. They, they need help, do they? Maybe I better wonder if I'm overqualified. He's taught about that because when I was young in high school, my father owned a business and I could have worked inside air conditioning, but I wanted to work outdoors. And I'll never forget working so hard to try to get that job. And I went to the, to the head guy at the city one night. It was a Thursday night, I remember vividly, and knocked on his door and said, I want to haul garbage. And you know what? He hired me because I wanted to work. Amen. Next weekend's a big weekend. And I know we got people gone today, and, and we need a count. Lonnie needs a count because uh, we've got meat for that uh, thing, and we've got to make sure everybody signs up. So if you've not signed up, and I don't know, Julie, how we're going to figure out who's not here so we can reinforce this and get the count because I've got to let him know this week. And uh, next Sunday, it's a free meal. Everyone say it's free. You can tip afterwards if you want. No. It's free. And uh, you're to bring some dishes, and you don't need to put down what you're bringing, but bring some food. There's always plenty of food. And this is an opportunity just to to fellowship. And uh, I I really believe next weekend is going to be a powerful weekend. And it can be a life-changing weekend. If you'll get your faith out there and believe that you're going to hear a word in season, my goodness, to find, find season. Men of God that have been in the ministry for many, many, many years. They're strong men of God. They're definitely not wimps. As you're well aware of through the years, I like strong leadership. I like people that, that are strong and, and full of integrity and character. And these two men are. And they're going to tell you the way it is. And, boy, we need to hear the word of God in this season and and uh, hear the truth so we can be set free. The services are as follows. Sunday morning, regular time, 10 o'clock. But Saturday night, next, everyone say next Saturday night, 7 o'clock. So, I mean, you're going to have to give up some things. If you're used to going out on Saturday night, then just be geared to go out to church. Saturday night at 7, and you need help in the nursery. Val says, so if you can... Give some time to that so um, other people can join in on the service. Please talk to her. And then Sunday morning at 10, Sunday night at 6, as always on Sunday night, and then Monday night at 7. So that's four powerful services. Then the following Wednesday, there'll be no church. Okay, and that would have been home fellowship. So home fellowship then is moved to the next week, the second week. You got, you got that. And uh, um, that way, if I want you, you know, a lot of people don't come on Wednesday night. And uh, so I, I, I really, I'm asking you to make this a priority. This shepherd wants you here. Now, I, I'm not going to control you, but we're going above and beyond as a church. We're going to have to sell finances to, to put them up in a motel and airfare and feed them. I expect you here, and I expect you here sowing of your finances 
to bless these men of God. Now, you always have in the past, and I believe you always will. So come expecting God to do something. Amen. So make sure you sign up out there. Then also there's, there's uh, free devotionals. Everyone say, boy, we're just getting in the free mode. Free devotionals. Please get a devotional this time. They're free. And how many of you read them? Boy, that's an awesome devotional. And uh, then also there's thank you notes back there from Night to Shine again. What a wonderful opportunity to, to reach out to our community and special needs people. And I guess we're on board for next year. So, uh, you know, that'll be a fun time. And we'll, we've worked out the bugs. We had very few bugs to work out because it went so well. And we'll streamline it again, and, and uh, we'll do more, and, and uh, I really look forward to that. Amen. So, everyone, so that's enough announcements. We're going to go on today and talking about seeking God, and then the, the following Wednesday nights we'll be talking about seeking God. And then the month of March on Sundays we're going to devote the entire, every Sunday in March, to everything Christ said from the cross. He said seven statements from the cross. And we're going to look at each one of them and take them apart and then try to uh, apply them to our life. So we're going to go on today. We're going to talk about seeking God. We said our goal is to learn the proper time to seek God, why you seek God, how you seek God, what do you seek him for. And then I'm, I'm looking forward to this, but there's blessings in seeking God, okay? I'm going to read to you some scriptures and review, and then we'll go right into this. Isaiah 55, 6 states, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Now, there's certain times when God's presence is, is, is tangible, and <clears throat> that's a wonderful time to call upon him. But, you know, even when you don't feel like calling upon him and seeking him, you need to. Psalm 14.2, I want to read it. I read this Wednesday night. It's, it's so good. This is the message translation. It says, God sticks his head out of heaven. He looks around. He's looking for someone not stupid. One man, even God expectant. Just one God ready woman. So he's looking for someone not stupid. I'd like to see the hands today of anyone here that's stupid. One, two. Well, I expected you, Nutter. I don't believe there's any stupid people here today. Well, that, that's saying then if you're not stupid, you're seeking God. All right. We said seek means, um, of course, to look after. It literally means to beat a path or go over an area so often as to rub or wear away a recognizable path. So you're, you're seeking God every day, every day, every day. And it emphasizes a special intensity. It's a fierce determination to have something or become something. And it implies a constant and arduous seeking to obtain something, not just an occasional attempt. So, you know, some people seek God when they're in trouble. How, how many have ever done that? I have. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to seek him in the time of adversity and trouble. But we also need to seek God 
every day just because we want to be in his presence, just because we love him, just because we're thankful for him being so generous in our life. And I encourage you in the days ahead, when you don't feel like it, that's really an important time to begin to seek God and to spend time in his presence and to thank him for all that he's done for you. We're going into Easter, and, and uh, we really need to reflect on the way we were before Christ. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we need to look back, and, you know, we need to look ahead, of course. But remember who we were before we came to Christ. Amen? And uh, now remember what we are and who we are in Christ Jesus. Then we looked at when, when do you seek God? How many of you have an answer for that? When do you seek God? Every day, early, the psalmist says, will I seek you. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. And he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. One translation says this, when my heart whispered, seek God, My whole being replied, I'm seeking him. Don't hide from me now. So when your heart whispers, what do you mean when your heart whispers? I'm not talking about your head. It's in your heart. You know in your heart there's just something. You know, I woke up this morning and and sat down and drank a cup of coffee, and and I looked out, and, and the sun was coming out, and it rained, and all I I just reflected upon God. And the goodness of God and how wonderful he is. That's part of seeking him. Start your day. Early will I seek you. Then why do you seek God? Well, number one, to spend time with him. David said, the one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all is the privilege of meditating in his temple, living in his presence every day of my life, delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. So we we seek God to spend time with him. We seek God to worship him. And then we seek God to keep our hearts right, to keep our hearts healthy. How many of you know it's a job sometimes to keep your heart right, your attitude right every day? So that's important. So now I want you to look at Matthew 6. And I've got a lot, and I just, I'm not going to give it all to you today, and we'll just stay on this a little bit every time and feed you the Word of God here a little bit, there a little bit. <clears throat> what do you and I seek from God? What do you and I seek from God? What do you think most Christians seek God for? Blessings, finances, homes, and cars, and clothes, and New boats and this and that. And there's, there's nothing wrong because my God wants to bless me. But Matthew 6 and verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, people of Harvest Church, do not worry about your life. Say that with me. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they, ne- they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? 
which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, let me read this to you. It says, putting God's kingdom first is the first step on the pathway of God's miracles. And you cannot walk on this pathway unless determining his will, purpose, and glory is your first priority as you pursue his call on your life. To do so, turn first to his word. Say first to his word. Turn first to his word, which is the atmosphere in which you may understand his will, recognize his way, and hear the voice of his spirit. Second, watch for the little thing. The little signs along the way, not in the great wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but rather the still small voice, that whispering on the inside. Often it is the small, seemingly insignificant things or events that ultimately determine our destiny. Seek first his kingdom, not second, not third, not fourth, We are to make God number one priority in our lives. We need to make the word of God number one priority in our lives. Anything associated with the kingdom of God. So the word of God in worship, in in prayer. Now you ready for the next one? I really believe in attending church is part of seeking the kingdom. Thank you for that one week amen. I said, I believe going to church consistently is part of seeking him. Because you come into his presence, you're going to find out your spiritual destiny, what God's called you to do, when you get in an atmosphere. Next weekend, there'll be an atmosphere. There will be an anointing. There will be a corporate anointing. If you need answers, I'd be a good time for you to be here to get some answers. Now, you can get answers when I preach if you come in here with the right heart's attitude. But if you come in here and say, oh, it's just Mike. It's just Pastor Mike. He's been here almost, what, 27, 8, 9, 30 years. I'll just, you know, I'll check out. I'll get on my phone and play games and send, you know, emails. I I found out you know how to do your phone now. You know you can receive and send emails. Did you know that? You just found that out, didn't you? You can do that. Or you can listen 
Hear the word, and then, yeah, that, that's part of seeking God. I'm getting some answers. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You and I need to put God first. Say first. Now listen to this. Oh, let me read it to you from the message. Boy, the message is getting promoted today. Uh, I had a guy not long ago leave the church because I used this translation. In fact, he only attended once or twice. Then I told him, I said, I don't think this church is for you because he said I couldn't use other translations. So guess what? I'm reading this today. Don't get offended. Stay in church. He says this, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes. Oh, dear Lord, I should read that when Kathy fixes food the boys don't want. Or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror even gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. See, that's the scripture all of us hunters stand on right there. We we walk out into the fields. They never primp nor shop, but you have... Have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know how know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your, your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. I like that. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That's good. I like that. Now, let me make a statement. You sure you want me to make this statement? Whatever you are preoccupied with, whatever you are constantly thinking about, Whatever you are distracted by will reveal what you're seeking. You think that statement's true? Whatever you're preoccupied with, I mean preoccupied, I mean you're constantly thinking about something. Constantly thinking, how am I going to make this house payment? How am I going to make the car payment? How am I going to go to the grocery store and buy these groceries? You know? How am I going to do this and how I'm going to do that? If you're preoccupied with that, then that's what you're seeking. If you're constantly thinking about something or constantly being distracted by something. Now, I realize we're all going to be distracted in the course of a day. Don't get me wrong. But if you find yourself totally preoccupied with something, is it just me or have you ever had well, if you'll stop and think and, and, and just turn it around, and if you find yourself doing that, you could tell yourself, I'm not seeking after God's kingdom. 
Why? What are you seeking after? Maybe something in the world. Maybe, maybe something, you know, in the bio, and it talks about clothes and food and all this, this thing. We went to Sioux City yesterday. I ought to get out more. I've, never, I've been in Omaha and never had traffic like that. Unbelievable. And I went, dropped them off at the mall, and I went downtown. Guess where I went? But you, you probably know where I went. Antique store. And, and uh, went back to the mall and, and talk about a distraction, being preoccupied, parked, got out of my truck and looked, and there was a scratch all along the side of my pickup. So somewhere between when I dropped them off, went downtown, parked two places, and then came back, somebody came by my truck and just put a scratch right along there. Now, then they came out, and, and I was a little upset. I had another family get out of the vehicle, and we're all standing there looking at my truck, and I'm just, (laughs) I was upset. Just got a new windshield in this week. Now I got a scratch on the truck. You know, and I, you know, and I realize, and like, I go in the store, and my wife, I love her. Most of the time, I love my wife. And she looks at me, and she pulls a mica. Because Micah says this all the time. I just like to slap him. Gunner. Carl, do you ever want to whack your kids once in a while? Because he'll go, he'll say this. He'll go, and I'll get on him, and he'll, he'll look at me, and he'll go, it'll all buff out. I've ne- Where do you get this stuff? We never talked like that in the 70s. You got it from who? Kenny. Where's Kenny? So yesterday I'm out there and Brian and standing with these nice people and they're all they're all green with me. What a jerk! Who did this? And and then they walk away and here they come out and and my voice I get I tend I tend to react instead of responding. Am I the only one? I react. And my voice started to get like this, and she's talking, and a little higher pitched, and I was getting upset. And then they, they always say, smart, I just like to backhand them both in love. <laughs> and my wife says, we go into the, into the shields, and she looks at me, and she just gives me this grin and says, it'll all buff out. If that had been your car, see what I deal with. Now I'm distracted. <laughs> but my truck could have, can become a preoccupation, distraction to me. And all of you have areas in your life and things in your life that can become a distraction. And if we get so caught up with that, and we just need to remember, when you get distracted, just think it'll all buff out. It'll all buff out. Worry is something that most Christians don't realize, and we need to remind ourselves, so I'll do this for you today, and I'll I'll remind you. 
Worry is a sin. And uh, most Christians think that, you know, because that's how they live their life every day. You know, I, I've, I've, I've dealt with worry and, and fear. I still have to deal with it. Every one of us has weaknesses in our life. My worry and fear might not be your worry and fear. And you might look at me and say, what are you worried about, concerned about that? And I might look at you and say, what do you think? Because we're all different. The devil knows how to push our, our buttons, especially when the wife says it'll all buff out. You can't see me after this service. Worry in, in, in the Greek means the word suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. In New Testament times, this word was primarily used in connection with worry about finances. Nobody here has ever been concerned about money. Worry about hunger. Most Americans don't have to you know, think about that. Or some other basic provision of life, such as paying bills, money for food and clothes, and making a house payment. King James says it this way, and this is really the best way. In verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink. Take no thought. That's a better, better way of saying it. Instead of saying, do not worry or take on the care, it says, take no thought. Because where does it all start? In your mind, with a thought. And if you find your thoughts, you're totally preoccupied with something, and you're thinking about just something, one thing that preoccupies your time, then guess what? You and I are not seeking first the kingdom of God. And you and I need to take charge of our thought life. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You and I have to individually make sure we cast down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself and it's the knowledge of God, and we need to bring into captivity every thought. Everyone say every thought. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. There was, there's a scripture, well, it says in Matthew 13, 22, and, and, and you know the about the uh, parable of the soils, the different types of ground or different conditions of the heart. It says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So you can stand and believe God that he's going to meet all of your needs. We're going, to get, we're going to make this house payment. We're going to make this car payment. We're going to have the money to do this. And then the thought comes, and pretty soon you're just so consumed with thinking about, I wonder if I'm going to be able to make that payment. I wonder if I'm going to be able to do this. That's how the enemy gets you. And you take one thought, and pretty soon doubt and unbelief is birthed. And, and, and unless you take charge of your thought life, you're going to be harassed with that thing. And you, some of you here know what I'm talking about. In John 6, 26, you remember when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish? And he said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you, you, saw, you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. So they were concerned about what? Dinner, hunger. Amen. 
and rightly so because they traveled miles back then. They didn't have drive-through restaurants. They walked for miles to get somewhere to hear Jesus and see Jesus, and then they didn't have, you know, their lunch boxes with them. And so, naturally, they're going to start thinking, how are you going to meet my need for, for food, Jesus? Caught up with that. Look at Luke 21. Luke 21. And look at verse 34. What are you seeking after today? You don't have to answer me, but you need to answer that yourself. What's first in your life? What's priority in your life? If, it's, if seeking the kingdom is not priority, it can become a priority. It can become a priority. And this is a last day's warning. Are we in the last days? I really believe we are in verse 34 of chapter 21. Jesus states, but take heed to yourselves. Take heed to your neighbor. No, take heed to yourself. What are you thinking about? What's distracting you? What's consuming your thought life? Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Everyone say weighed down. See, that's a care. You take on the care. You take on the weight of that thing. With carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day, everyone say that day, come on you unexpectedly. Well, you look at that, what day? You know, Jesus is coming back. There will be judgment. You know, how many, we don't know when we're going to die. We just lost a, a dear close friend. Pulled out of Jerry's hilltop in the vehicle and a semi killed her instantly. And it was a shock. And we sing, we will not be shaken. But I'll tell you what, when things like that happen, there's a real temptation to be shook. And I began to reflect, and I know I serve God, and I'm in fellowship with God, and God loves me, and God's going to protect me and my family and my church people. But when you experience something like, because this woman, thank God she knew Jesus. She was born again. Jesus Christ was her Lord and Savior. But it still shakes you up. We don't know from one day to the next, especially the world. And if you're a wish, wishy-washy, backslidden Christian, beware. God's a God of grace and mercy, but beware. That's why we need to have our nose in the book. That's why we need to make sure we're seeking first his kingdom. Now, I don't know why that happened, and I go over, why did this happen? And we go through the whole thing trying to figure out why it happened. I don't know why it happened. She made a mistake and pulled out and didn't realize a semi was coming. That almost happened to us when we were young, when we were first married. And thank God for his grace and mercy, we were spared. But I'm telling you, you need to seek first his kingdom. 
Because if you seek first his kingdom, you're going you're gonna to be hooked up. You're going to be sensitive to those little whisperings and the, leadings of the, Holy, the leading of the Holy Spirit in everyday life. We shouldn't just go and do things without consulting him. Right? It's a last day's warning to all of us. One translation says this, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties, drinking, and shopping. The cares of this life, basically, we should not allow ourselves to worry and fret about events and incidents and episodes that occur in life. The Bible says we are to seek those things that are above. Focus your thoughts and attention on the things that are important to God. Let heaven Fill your thoughts. Find yourself just daydreaming about heaven and about God and the things of God and what God's doing. You want something to think about, think about night to shine. Why? Because that's kingdom. Had you noticed when you think about that, if you were, if you were here and worked with that and were, and were involved with that, how does that make you feel? Good. Full of joy. Can't wait to do it again. Why? Because when you're doing kingdom business, there will be joy. There will be peace. I'll close with this. If you seek wealth, you'll worry about every dollar. If you seek health, you'll fear every blemish and bump. If you seek popularity, you'll obsess over every conflict. If you seek safety, you'll jump at every crack of the twig. But if you focus each day on God's kingdom, he'll give you everything you need. So what are, I ask you today, what are we to seek after? The kingdom of God. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So what are you thinking about today? Let's stand our feet. What are you thinking about today? Some of you are thinking, I wonder where we're going to go to eat. Let's go to Pizza Ranch. No? No? What are you thinking about today? A bill. A concern. Something that, that's bothering you. I want you to know God loves you. God knows what you're dealing with. And that's why we have to continually cast our care upon him, for he cares for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to make sure you're first in my life. I want the people of Harvest Church to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes. There's times you haven't been first but you're first now. And so, Father, when the people are tempted to be distracted and their thinking's consumed and preoccupied with other things, help us to focus on those things that are above. You're a God of mercy, full of grace, slow to anger. You're a wonderful Heavenly Father, and you care about us every area of our life. And so, Father, today I, I pray everyone here purposes to cast every care, every anxiety, every worry, every fear upon you, for you care for us. And, Lord, I thank you for your peace to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
Everyone said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things, they'll happen. They'll come. Amen. But let's make sure we seek first. Does anyone here today need 